welcome to the Social World Podcast again. Hello, I'm Dave Niven. Now, as was just happening in the last podcast, um, I was mentioning that I've been invited onto the uh, International Advisory Board of the Global Institute for Social Work. It has its base in Singapore, but really it's a virtual resource and it's worldwide. So I just thought that it would be a good idea to interview the chairman of the board again, Professor Tandigo Jung. So uh, let's have that. But after that, I'm also going to have um, you listen to a couple of interviews I did on the BBC to do with two particularly topical subjects to do with safeguarding young people. Well, do you realise, Chong, that it's been two years nearly since we did our initial interview and... uh, Recently, there has been a development, I know, and I'm absolutely delighted that you've invited me to be part of the International Advisory Board, and I'm looking forward to working with you and colleagues. But there must have been a lot of water under the bridge since these two years have gone by with the the Global Institute. Would Would you like to just give a quick summary of where you see the Institute's at at the moment? Well, uh, first, thank you, David, for being uh, able to serve on the International Advisory Board. We really have a big range of uh, expertise and uh, people who are committed to social work and social work training uh, all over the world. Um, Since two years ago, we have now developed training portals and we have cited it, believe it or not, in the U.S., and uh, we are running the uh, Global Institute in a virtual platform on teachable.com. So it'll be the GISW at uh, teachable.com. I'll put all that into the, um, into the actual text in front of the podcast as well for people uh, to, ref- to refer to as well. Sure. And so the vision of the Global Institute remains the same. That is to deliver quality social work training to those who need it most. And basically, one thing, social work training, social work education, continuing uh, professional development, to be accessible, to be affordable, to be appropriate, to be timely. So GISW basically makes readily available training online to those, uh, especially countries who don't have access uh, to formal education or to be uh, trained in specific fields of social work. I have this vision that a social worker sitting in one of the countries you mentioned there could eventually, if they wanted, uh, access the the GISW uh, website sign on, become, you know, involved and get information, advice, representation, watch a video, read a blog, listen to an article read out by the author or whatever, and have a a library, if you like, a virtual library that covers the globe. Does that fit your dream? Yep, it is indeed. We live in a very different world uh, today. It's very globalized. It's uh, with uh, modern technology we find that GISW has to write on the service delivery uh, platform uh, online that is providing continuing education. So the virtual platform is operational 24-7. It ensures timely, useful knowledge. 
to be uh, transferred, to be uh, accessible, and people can uh, use it in whichever way they can, um, but they have to adapt it to their situation. And uh, I hope in that the philosophy is that we can help improve human conditions and make the world a more just and more fair uh, place to live. Well, that sounds admirable. I mean, but I think we've also got to point out that this is not just a kind of a platform for anybody that wants to sort of say whatever. This is a, a quality of training and there's a, the rigorous review process as well of the material submitted uh, and the board uh, is appointed to, to develop policy as well. We're, we're not just talking about, if you like, a shop where anybody can put anything on a shelf. We're talking about quality material. Uh, hopefully, we would like to have uh, all kinds of different uh, uh, levels of training. But you are right. We have to um, um, assess it, uh, um, edit it, and if it uh, passes the review, then we can uh, put it uh, across to the audience. Um, the main thing is that it has to be uh, practice-focused, it has to be culturally appropriate, and it has to have quality in terms of sound and uh, video material and content. So we actually like to have collaboration with all different uh, uh, um, institutions, whether it is government, uh, NGOs, whether it is with the University of Training Institutes, with professional associations. And we try to work together with common agenda and mission, which is to bring social work training uh, to a new level uh, to be competent and to be uh, um, knowledgeable about the different fields. And so we have uh, in our agenda also collaboration with uh, specific training institutes to uh, run uh, social work in different fields. Um, so right now it's a very, very open forum. Mm. People sign on. Uh, uh, and we do not check whether you are a social worker, whether you are licensed, but anyone who can find use for this material can access it for free for now. I think and, that's an uh, important we, point. It's free, isn't it? Yes. Uh, it's free in that um, my belief is that social work knowledge should be universal, should be uh, available. Um, and uh, if you cannot pay for it, uh, we will, in time to come, if there's a small fee that is charged, we could uh, provide scholarships for this. So in time to come, there must be a sustainable model. And uh, when we begin to offer perhaps uh, certificates or trying to uh, uh, stack the programs in a way that will be more um, uh, uh, systematic in the syllabus, uh, then we will have to uh, charge a fee. But right now, as you say, it's uh, it's open to all. Now, I know and you know, and we've talked about this before, that social work does mean different things to different people across the globe, if you like. You know, it does vary from continent to continent. 
Um, whereas, and some places focus more on individuals and families, and others focus more on community activity. Is there a, a reasonably, would you say, easy way to navigate the, um, the, if you like, the library of the institute or the, the availability of material in the institute to to suit the different uh, regional requirements? Well, um, right now it is uh, it is accessible to everyone. So we do not say um, market it to a specific segment of society. But in time to come, I would like to have, uh, uh, say, Vietnam will have its own uh, uh, training uh, site. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there will be greater applicability to a certain language or cultural context. That's very uh, interesting, yes. Do you see that developing with other countries as well? Yes. Mm. So it is already in the, in the happening in that we do have um, material in Vietnamese that we are editing and putting online. And I, I like, for example, the Russian uh, social workers to uh, take responsibility and take uh, uh, control over the space uh, take over to to make it really relevant to their own uh, context, and for that matter, Spanish-speaking courses or French or uh, other languages. So we will um, first go on the route of uh, universal language of English, but we do have already material in Chinese, in Vietnamese, in Thai, and we would. Uh, in the very near future, provide specific channels whereby this material can be accessed uh, within the specific cultural mm. context. I mean, these days anyway, I mean, translation is much easier online than it ever was. Um, <clears throat> although obviously it's nice to have languages, uh, you know, uh, that, that speak to the individual social workers, you know, themselves. But there is, I mean, I, I read material from other countries not in English and just translate them and these days the translation is quite professional. That's right Uh, and uh, we will use technology in that way at least we could have subtitles that could be digitalized and we can also use uh, uh, um, uh, Google Translate and Mm. other things. Do you have, um, there's a mixture, aren't there, of kind of video presentations as well as written material. Um, are, are you finding that more people are submitting video presentations now? You're, you're right. Uh, the main medium now is video. And also we have uh, PowerPoint and uh, other uh, uh, visual aids. But... Um, it will be good to have, like what you have, uh, podcast material, uh, audio, and also um, uh, written material. Um, so we may go into another aspect of the training, which is providing resources and, and readings and uh, books. Um, that is a, a way maybe in the future. Well, the future is something that I know is very dear to your heart, if you like. You you and I have talked about it. I know you're organizing, I hope, an event about looking at the next 10 years of social work and how it's going to develop and what it's going to look like, because 
the the world is moving at such a speed these days that and social work is beginning to accelerate in terms of uh, the use of technology as well is this this sounded to me like something that was very exciting to you would that be fair yes we are planning uh, our fifth anniversary seminar to be online and we will be uh, asking from our advisory board and that includes you uh, david and uh, you will uh, share with us what your vision of social work in the next uh, 10, 20 years is going to be and uh, the future in terms of the training and use of technology to uh, spearhead the development of social work for a more inclusive, more just and more fair world. A very good um, aspiration. You've just appointed, haven't you, a new a chief executive to 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 support the actual structure of of the uh, of the global institute. Is that right? Yes, we do have an executive director, and uh, Vernon uh, resides in the U.S. Um, but he is uh, he is doing it out of a labor of love. Yes, I know. Uh, so I know. there yeah. is no pay. We, we use actually volunteers throughout our uh, approaches and there are pluses in that uh, people can, can have a commitment to uh, develop material and uh, the uh, courses that are mounted are volunteered uh, instructors and facilitators and the people who are editing it back end as well as uh, reviewing it are all doing it on a voluntary basis. But in time to come, I hope we will have a good technical support team and we will have uh, full-time staff. Uh, and uh, certainly if there are people who are interested to volunteer or to support, uh, they are most welcome to get into our website and let us know. That's what I was hoping you would say. <laughs> I just wanted you to, like, you to give a shout out for more people to try and give some time and get involved because it's a wonderful idea. What about the geography of things, Tiong? Because obviously you're based in Singapore and uh, you've got a, a pretty intimate knowledge of, say, the Pacific Rim and, and all the, the, the countries around there. But And I know America is, is reasonably heavily involved, as is Russia, etc. But which parts of the world would you say you would encourage uh, more interest from, if we could? Well, um, I would um, particularly focus on the developing world. Mm -hmm. um, we do have requests uh, from as far as Azerbaijan, uh, Armenia, and also places in India and uh, uh, Latin America. I, I really hope in Africa we can grow a good uh, following and uh, um, people who can find it useful, as well as in uh, Latin America. So I am putting effort to seeing how we can customize some of these courses to uh, meet the needs of uh, people in Latin America as well as in Africa. And uh, if you know of anyone or anyone listening to this have interest to work together, uh, we would uh, be happy to get in touch. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Listen, just perhaps finally, but um, I mean... 
of these, perhaps the, the, the soon-to-be part of the GISW, the places you've mentioned, but also, you know, maintaining the kind of interest in, in current, current countries that are involved so far. I mean, what sort of message would you like to give out to social workers as to why you think that GISW is uh, a beacon for the future and very, very valuable? Well, we believe that social work is a key instrument for social transformation and change, whether at the individual, at the group, at the family, at the community level, or at the policy and research angle. So we need people who are informed, people who are competent, and people who are knowledgeable to share their expertise so that we can all level up to be able to be instruments of change and be sharper in our practice, in our approach, in our strategy. And I see the world as a, as a community coming together so that we can help each other uh, and develop a, a stronger uh, a mandate for social work and the contribution of social workers. No, that's very, very admirable. Well, look, just as a final thing, I'm going to give a shout out. I will put it in the text, but if people want to, to, to go to a dedicated portal for course building, it's giw.teachable.com. And if they want to submit training courses to sit with the GISW for anybody's use to spread their knowledge, it's submit at the GISW.org. I'll put all these on the uh, podcast text as well, but I think for now we're going, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this definitely, we're going to revisit this quite frequently and I'm possibly talking with colleagues on the advisory board and others who already have seen the benefit of GISW. So for now, Chiong, very many thanks, but I will be coming back to you in the not too distant future. That's great. And uh, do visit our website, thegisw.org. And uh, we really uh, look forward to the contribution of not only yourself, but uh, like-minded people who are, uh, who are fervent for the cause of social work and social change and bringing the world closer together uh, in a better world, hopefully. Well said. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, David. Now I'd like to let you hear these two interviews that I gave in the last week or so. Firstly, a historic case of abuse that where a couple have been found guilty of historic abuse of young people in Wales, with troublesome allegations uh, that further evidence has either been destroyed by mistake or deliberately, with calls for independent investigation. I mean... People said this is the Fred and Rose West of Wales, uh, but um, I mean, it's, I don't think it's necessarily on that scale, but certainly, certainly there's a lot of bad practice going on and there's a lot uh, being uncovered now and other alleged victims are coming forward to talk. Uh, David Niven is a child protection expert and a chairman of a safeguarding children board in the north of England. Good morning. 
Morning, Oliver. Uh, well, let me ask you first of all, David, about this case and the difficulties in investigating and prosecuting a case which is so historic. I mean, some of these cases go back 30 plus years. Mm, always problematic. Um, th- th- there are some good things here. The first thing is that they're actually being confronted and they're actually being uh, convicted. And people are realizing that even after this length of time, you know, the, their crimes can't go unpunished. Um, the issue, though, for me about the victims is very interesting because obviously there's going to be quite a controversy here um, as the victims are coming forward and actually saying that they said things at the time, other people were involved, other victims are apparently involved, according to, to the, the, the woman who was involved today. I mean, this is quite complicated, but I really, really do hope that the authorities, the investigative authorities and the police, and, and, and um, they challenge this and they actually get stuck in and have a really good look because you just can't let things like that lie. When someone says, though, I think or I'm sure that there were police officers present at such and such, uh, at such and, on such and such an occasion without names, without identities, um, it, it must be almost yeah. impossible to unravel that. Well, it sounds like it, doesn't it? Uh, I mean, I believe that there's also talk that the evidence was, um, lo- any evidence that this person gave was actually lost. Material evidence, not just verbal evidence, but material evidence was lost, whether it was a police station move or an accident or just time lost it or whatever. I mean, I, I think that's going to be the impossibility and we're going to end up with a he said, she said situation. And not even having names of anybody um, who allegedly was involved in it makes it incredibly difficult. What would normal procedure be with regards to to evidence? I mean, if the police looked into something, decided there was no case to answer, how long would they hold that evidence for usually? I think it varies, to be honest with you. I mean, usually records are kept for Oh, decades. Uh, I mean, but um, sometimes if somebody just comes forward and says something, and it isn't proven and there's nothing to corroborate it, it would just disappear. But can I say one thing at the moment? I really do hope that the good things that come out of this are that show that anybody who is still suffering, anybody who was abused back in the day, 30, 40 years ago even, and who's had to live with it, who lost a childhood, who has actually had trauma since, who has had relationship problems and goodness knows what else since, actually can see that there will be a mature and sophisticated approach to them and that people will take them seriously. I'm not saying just believe them just because they say so, but actually will take them seriously and investigate it properly. And, and, believe uh, and sorry, David, just to interrupt because we're short of time, it wouldn't be unheard of, would it, for, for, for another police force to be brought in if someone decided that there, that there were grounds for an investigation as to whether there was either A, police involvement, um, or police officers involved in, in, in any offences or also whether evidence had gone missing and there was something to be investigated about that. That wouldn't be unheard of for another force to be brought in to look at that. No, and probably a good idea in this case, I would have said. I mean, this is the exactly the kind of thing that a peer you know, or a neighbouring force or somebody like that actually should become involved with to show transparency. That's the important thing. And actually let the victims believe that whatever the outcome, they got a fair hearing. David, thank you so much. Uh, David Niven there, who's uh, a child protection expert, a chairman of a safeguarding children board in the north of England. Secondly, 
the in, an interview with um, in Herefordshire with a perennial problem where the closure of residential units has provoked a range of discussion looking at it being due to either austerity and resource deficit or targeting resources towards preventative measures. It depends what particular way that people are talking about this. And But as I said, it's a perennial problem. It's something we've visited so many times in the past and you're never quite sure whether it's a case of a local authorities actually having to face up to cuts at such a savage level that it affects children's safeguarding. I mean, they have to cut libraries, they have to cut road clearance, they have to cut refuse collection, goodness knows what else, other public services, and that hugely impacts, but they've never really gone so deep into children's services in the past, but many other authorities are having to consider that now. It really is quite up against the wall. So, here we go. Let's bring in David Nevin, child protection expert, former chair of the British Association of Social Workers. He also runs a podcast called socialworldpodcast.com. Uh, David, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hello. Uh, tell us, um, do changes like this ever work? Well, I mean, yes, it can work. Um, but at the same time, it's fraught with quite a few pitfalls and... The problem is here is we're not just talking about widgets, you know, we're talking about children's lives. And so it's a very delicate situation. Now, I understand from listening to your interview there that the, the local authority have said that they, it's not a money issue. It's to do with quality of care for the children. Well, maybe. I mean, there was this about 10, 15 years ago, there was a massive closure of um, residential homes all up and down the country on the basis that fostering was better and get children into families and, and give them a better quality of life. Well, in many cases that works, but there always are some young people, some children, who for whatever reason respond better in a residential situation. And I really hope that there's enough beds, as your last um, interviewee was talking about, there's enough beds actually to fulfill that if a child is assessed or a young person is assessed to actually thrive better in that kind of environment. And then you mentioned um, pitfalls here, and just ex explain what other things could be described, as you say, as a, a, a pitfall well, to this. Well, lo logic has always dictated, and as well as evidence has always dictated, that the more changes there are in a child's life, the more disruptions, the more problems that that young person is likely to carry forward into adulthood. And so if these young people have already had one or two placements or even more in many cases um, placements whether it's foster homes whether it's residential homes or, or whatever or in and out of care from their family another uh, enforced change after um, settling for a while in a particular place with a group of staff who have cared for them could well have a kind of a if you like a kind of a, a drip 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 sort of um, effect on their their whole psyche and their ability to cope and their ability to become rounded adults and so forth and it's just dangerous if you just keep changing where a child lives thank you david david niven child protection expert former chair of the british association of social workers well that was that 
Thank you all very much for listening. Please give me your feedback. SpeakPipe is that facility on the podcast um, where you can just do one click and leave me a voice message, either telling me what you think about these the items that we've covered today in the magazine or giving me some ideas for things and stories that you think need coverage and need further exposure. Really looking forward to hearing from you again, so keep them coming. See you soon. Thanks.